Hi, and welcome to another episode of Raising His Kids, a podcast for stepmoms. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren, a child-free stepmom of one, hoping for an hour's baby soon. And I'm Tony, a bio mom of two and a stepmom of two. We are two stepmoms who, although we live at opposite ends of the world, quickly bonded over how we all deal with the same Karen as we navigate our lives raising his kids. Wow, what do you do when bio mom is using kid being tired as a reason not to let them stay with dad 50% of the time? You fight that. That's one of the things um, Karen used. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess we're just getting into it now since I read that out loud. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we, for us, it was different. We, um, my husband wanted 50% and care and she had originally agreed to it after a trial run of five nights a fortnight and then she reneged on it and tried using the fact that the kids were tired and she couldn't cope when they came back, the transition back, because it was happening on a Wednesday. And so we fought it. We fought it and we didn't get 50-50 straight away, but one more year and we've got 50-50. Nice. Yeah, we tried for 50-50, didn't even come close. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. One of the notes that I made, wherever I put it, was that there's differences between going to court between our two countries. Yeah, there's gotta be. I, I mean, there's differences in every single state. So I'm pretty sure for us it's just one. So in Australia, everything's covered by the Family Law Act of 1975. So it's the same per the whole country. So it doesn't vary by state. Um, there might be little things that differ, but the biggest one is that you have to attend mediation prior to attempting to go to court. I love that one. I wish that was here. <laughs> so... I made some notes on that, which I thought I might share for our Australian listeners, anyone looking into going into mediation, if that's all right. Definitely. Especially because I've already, I've undergone mediation three times now and my husband's undergone it twice. And the last time it resulted in him going to court. So I thankfully have stayed out of family court here in Australia because it cost us $40,000 for a year and we didn't even make it to trial. Well, how did it end then? Um, so we it ended with my husband and Karen negotiating and getting final orders of consent, which is different to court orders. So the consent orders is where the parents have mutually agreed and the court have signed off on it. Okay. With the court orders is when the judge has to rule because the parents can't make it. Right. We do have something like that here too, where you can like negotiate and not actually go to trial because paying to go to trial is way more expensive. Oh, absolutely. Like in our last hearing, we actually paid for a barrister, which our solicitor recommended because he wanted to try and avoid us going to trial. So we paid for a barrister, which is much more expensive than our solicitor. And he was able to negotiate with Karen. um, And that's how we got it put in that 
we just had to wait another two years and we'd have 50-50 care. So you won't have to go back to court, you'll just have it? Correct. Um, Because the one thing we wanted to do with going to court was we wanted to plan for the future Mm -hmm. rather than have orders for the here and now. We wanted it in place and have everything worded so that we wouldn't have to go back to court and it would last the kids until they turned 18. Yeah. Great idea. I know you struggle with this now because your orders were made when T was a baby. And I've got a friend as well who's about to go back through mediation, even though she has orders of consent, because the court orders were made when her stepkids were just babies. Right. And it, it complicates things. It didn't allow for any variation. There was no there was no clauses for what happens when, as the child ages and when they're of school age and anything like that. So that's why we made sure we knew that um, Big J was transitioning to high school. So we put a clause in there about that, which even though it didn't get followed, we just couldn't justify spending the money to put a breach in with the courts. We just let Karen have her say on what school the kids go to and we're doing our best by being heavily involved with the school as possible. Yeah. Um, so, but what I wanted to touch on with the 60I certificate is that it's a requirement under the Family Law Act 1975 here in Australia that all separating couples wanting to apply to the court for a parenting order need to first indicate that a genuine effort to resolve the dispute by family dispute resolution has been made. So basically what that means is you contact, I'm pretty sure across Australia, um, everyone uses a company called Relationships Australia and you contact them, you say you want to undertake mediation. There's a few steps in there. I know I've got another friend who's doing interstate mediation currently. So there's a few other steps involved with that than there is just doing within the same state. But basically at the end of it, you if someone hasn't attended mediation or if both parties have refused but couldn't come to an agreement. So, for example, when my husband went to mediation the last time, Karen sat there with her arms crossed and went, nope, 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 you're not getting anything. And she actually tried when we went back to court to reduce the custody that we already had. So she tried to go back to two nights a fortnight. For what reason? Just to be petty? Yeah. So she didn't like that I was doing school pickup and drop off. She expressed that she didn't like that I was heavily involved in the children's life and she didn't like that I was the one doing the school run where my husband wasn't, but I was doing the school run because we decided that I wasn't going back to work. Right, and that makes sense for you to do it. <laughs> especially, and especially when she she moved house halfway through the court case and she she moved about 15 minutes closer but with traffic it's no closer at all for us so she's still an hour away and we since she was insisting on moving the kids school we had to fight that she couldn't move them school halfway through the school year because both of them with learning difficulties we just thought that would be too much for them and we we tried to get her to agree to a school halfway between our two houses so there was a school 20 minutes from her that was 25 minutes from us and have to drive on the highway to get the kids to school. And she just flat out refused. And this would be difficult. Or did she have a valid reason why that school wasn't good? It was just because it was more convenient for us. So she insisted. That's about right. 
Yeah, she insisted on the primary school that was four minutes from her house and the high school that was 11 minutes from her house. In the end, my husband just gave up because he just went, well, it looks like you don't go back to work when within the time limit that we thought I would go back to work and I just stay at home longer and keep doing the school run and keep caring for the boys. Um, But one of the reasons that she said that we shouldn't have 50-50 custody is because the hour drive to and from school is too difficult on the boys. But then she refused to negotiate and put them in a school halfway between our two houses. So yeah, that a lot of that was just being complicated. So but yeah, anyone in Australia that's looking at getting a parenting plan or consent orders or final court orders, you do have to make an attempt to start mediation first. I have more information on this. So if you want to email us or message me, you can either email our account or message my Blended Chaos and I can give you more information on it. I've currently been helping quite a few friends prepare for mediation. It's like January, New Year, let's go to mediation. But yeah, so you'll need that if you're in Australia. But from my understanding, you don't need to do any of that before you do that in America. You don't have to. It's cheaper if you can do it through mediation instead of going to court, but um, it's not required. Um, We tried to do mediation. Like we didn't like go, but we tried to talk her into mediation. But what we wanted were just so different because we wanted more time. She wanted more money. We were never going to come to an agreement in, in mediation. So she ended up filing the court order for more money or not the court order, whatever. She filed for more money. And like before we got a chance to file for more custody because we were trying to save up a little bit because we spent so much money on court yeah so we were trying to save up to be able to like take her there to get more custody and yeah it she just wanted more money so she like led us on throughout the entire process and the way it works for us at least in my state is that since she brought us there for money we couldn't also fight for custody unless she was like willing like if she agreed with everything. Yeah, if that, that was the case, we could have gotten custody and money squared away in the same trial. Wow. But she just... But no, no. She was like, well, she let us on for like so long. Like like we were in court for two years and she let us on for like a year and a half being like, yeah, we'll do more custody. Like, well, we can do 50-50. We'll work it out, blah, blah, blah. And then we got all the way to the very last one two years later. And her lawyer is like, no, um, she's not willing to do more custody. Like, we're just going for money and like, blah, blah, blah. And we both lost because she didn't get more money and we didn't get more custody. So there was no winner. And we all spent so much money. I'm glad for you that you didn't have to pay her any more money and child support. That's something that's... Well, it went down $30. So I guess we won technically. Um, that's something that's similar here in Australia. So we, my husband called Karen's bluff and took her to court. I think she really thought that he was bluffing because he had threatened to take her to court quite a few times since they separated because like she was being nasty in the beginning over meeting at a mutual meeting spot. She expected my husband at the time she was living an hour and a half away and she expected him to do all the travel. Well, we have the same situation. It drives me nuts. So that was the first thing he went to mediation over. And even the mediator looked at her and said, you're being really unreasonable here. He's asking to meet in a mutual meeting spot halfway between your two homes. Um, So he won that the first time they went to mediation. But when we went to court, she kept trying to add child support into the equation. 
And she'd been trying to do it for a long time beforehand. And my husband kept telling her if she has an issue with the amount of child support that she's getting paid to take it up with the child support agency. Because I think that's another thing that's different here in Australia is we actually have a whole agency separate to court for child support. And even our solicitor said to her, you can't bring that into the the custody orders. You know, if you want to do that, you need to take that up separately. So she ended up dropping it. Oh, okay. But the one thing she did do is she changed it from a private collect with child support to child support collect. So instead of getting her weekly installments when my husband was sending her money, she has to wait a month and child support pay her in arrears, basically. It pays her what? Um, Pays her in arrears. So for example, child support is due on the 7th of every month for the month prior. Okay. Okay. Well, (laughs) that's annoying. It is. Um, Well, she was receiving it every week, the week it was due now she has to wait a month to get it I feel like sometimes that stuff happens and like they just end up screwing themselves over absolutely and you know where now that it's gone directly through child support we're not in a financial position to give her any extra you know we were helping pay for extra medical extra dental extra school stuff and now that it's going through child support, you know, I think it recently got up to, it's like 13000 a year that she's receiving for two kids that we have almost 50% of the time. Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah, well, I receive less than $2,000 a year for a child I have like 80% of the time. Less than 2000 a year? Yes. How does that work? That's just the child support system being rigged here in Australia. That is insane. I feel like in our experience, like we got to know our lawyer very, very well because we saw him like every month for two years. And he was saying that it's like always favored, at least in our area. We live in a commonwealth. So it's always like favored for the mom. So like he's like, he's seen like, unstable like drug addict moms get ruled that they can have their kids because just because they're the mom we we had evidence of emotional hygiene mental health like their general well-being was being neglected and we had photographic evidence and the judge didn't even want to see it why because he thought it was a tit-for-tat situation because she started claiming domestic violence And the other thing that we have to have here in Australia is if you go through court, the judge will always rule that a family report needs to take place, which is generally it's sort of like a social worker and they interview both sets of parents as well as their partners and they interview the children and they they watch how you interact with the children and everything like that. And even the family report writer stated that there was no no history of domestic violence that, you know, she basically ruled all that out. Um, but yeah, the judge still didn't care for their neglect. That's insane. Like that makes no sense. Yeah. And it's really funny. So both boys were failing school before we got the 40% care that we have. And we introduced tutoring every fortnight that they're with us. And now that both boys are getting minimum a C in everything. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. But she kept saying that, you know, we weren't the right household for them and they didn't need tutoring. But we've seen significant improvements since they've had tutoring and they're with us. How could you deny it? I I don't know answer. She did. (laughs) That is so crazy. And that's crazy that the judge was just like not interested in all that either. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. He just... 
he was very much so he sided with the biological mother. He was very old school in the sense that he believed mother knew best. And the sad thing for us was that we, it was a COVID court, so it was done over the phone. So they didn't get to see us in person either, which I feel like, like, I think a lot of things get missed if a judge can't read your face, especially it's really easy to lie over the phone. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Karen told the judge that she was fearful for her life, that my husband was violent and threatening her. The day we had our first hearing, which is when she said all this, was the day after there was a major domestic violence violence issue on the Gold Coast here in Australia where a man had, I can't remember the names of the people, but the, there was a domestic violence situation and the woman lost her life. Oh, no. So, the, so it was like already like a sensitive subject. Yeah. And so everyone with like the police and lawyers and judges were all taking domestic violence claims very seriously. And she made this claim less than 24 hours after after this incident had occurred so the judge just went oh yeah okay whatever that is absolutely insane so was it like over the phone or was like a video call it was over the phone so there was no basis and it was so we went to our solicitor's office and dialed in that way and there was like we were on the phone listening as the judge was going through different like different hearings so he was dealing with multiple people on the phone at the same time which was just was a nightmare and it seemed very rushed (laughs) That is crazy. Like, yeah. how do you even get anything done that way? All right. I, I think they rely on the solicitors to do most of the work. And she self-represented. She she played the card that she couldn't afford a solicitor and that she would and that we were doing this to financially burden her. Oh my god. Right. It financially burdened us. We had to take like money out of our home loan to pay for it. Yeah, that's why I had like I was just going to say, like, we couldn't afford it either. We had to take loans out. Like, it's so expensive. Nobody can afford it. So why do you go? (laughs) It it cost us $40,000 from start to finish. And one thing people don't realize is every time, especially if you're dealing with a high conflict person, they will make pointless phone calls and send pointless emails to your solicitor. Because every time, not only when you contact your solicitor, but when they contact your solicitor, you get charged as well. Right. So, I know that's so crazy. Luckily, we did not run into that, probably because she knows that I would be calling hers every day if she did that to us. But yeah, it's so crazy to me that people do that because it's like literally like an an- like to answer an email, they would send us a bill for like 50 bucks. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like bucks. every email. It's yeah, a phone call was fifty bucks. Yeah, and then if like your phone call went over ten minutes or whatever, it was like a hundred dollars. Yeah, like it's just so crazy. Yeah, and every time she called them or emailed them, it was fifty dollars. That's insane. Did she do that to you? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and like the day we were our like our first hearing where we agreed on interim orders, our solicitor was calling her to negotiate on the interim orders before we were seen by the judge. And so we were not only charged for the amount of time we were in the office, we were also charged for those phone calls in that time. Oh my God. It's like... (laughs) That whole experience made me wish that I was a lawyer because I'm like, now I know why they're all so rich because they get paid $100 a minute. Absolutely. But one thing the experience taught me was that if if we had to go back to court, I could probably coach my husband in Mm self-representing. I think we could too. And if I had to go back to court, 
like, well, if I had to go to court for my own co-parenting situation, I believe I could self-represent because we just, we wouldn't be able to afford it. Not now. Right. No, not now at all. That's why it's like, we were, we were like hoping to be able to like buy a house like a year or two ago. It's like, that was completely like avoided because we had to pay all this money to not pay $30 a month. Like it was so crazy. It's so stupid. And you know, my, my husband just pays the required child support and she hasn't taken him to court over child support. So I'm guessing she's just accepted that that's what child support will make him pay. And that's what he's going to pay. You know, he's never missed a payment. It's not like my child support case where I received $6 for last month. Yeah. How is it so different between the two? Um, Because rather than going based off how much it costs to raise a child and the reason it get it makes it so difficult for us is because even though I'm not working, child support won't take into consideration that my husband financially supports Big K 100%. We tried to have him included and they basically said, no, you can apply for a change of assessment with his father, which I did. And it gave us I think it went from 1800 a year to 2000 a year. But then after he did his tax return, it dropped back to 1800 a year. But then he rarely oh. pays on time. Okay. Yeah, so that's annoying. We, we can't rely on that money to pay for anything for Big K. Like I said, child support was due on the 7th of January for the month of December and I received $6.34. That's insane. Yeah. And he gets away with it. That is just so crazy. Ours is done by how much you make too. But like you have to be like you have to be divorced from the kid's other parent for your kids to matter in like how much he pays. Like for example, we um like we're gonna have a baby and that baby is not going to make our child support any less. It could. Like the kid is considered an income deduction or something like that, not a kid. So like we would have to go to court and like fight for that. If me and my husband got divorced, then then it would be like considered like two kids that both deserve equal support. So it's like maybe you should just get divorced. I, I that's what I said. I was like, are you open to that at all? Like we could still live together. That that is wrong. Um, first of all, I just wanted to say this is the first time we're talking about your pregnancy on the podcast. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. I know I've congratulated <laughs> you, but we haven't spoken about it with our listeners. But here in Australia, if you do have a child, it does reduce the amount of child support. But like when I stopped working and gave birth to little K, my child support only went up by like $20 a month. That was so crazy. But then he had a child later that same year and it reduced it back down by $20 a month. Oh, because they're like, oh, they evened out or whatever. Yeah. And that's just, it's ridiculous. It's like $1,800 for a year does not support my son. No, not even close. No, it's not enough. That's crazy. It basically just covers his school cost for the year. Like, because we have uniforms here in Australia. It's not like free dress. So it covers uniforms, books, like school bags, shoes, all that, that, and like any excursions. That's all it covers. It doesn't help in the day-to-day raising of the child. But then we have two other boys almost 50% of the time. And my husband's paying almost... 
minimum wage, so almost a whole other salary to his ex-wife. Right. My husband always says that too. He's like, when T turns 18, we're going to have like a whole extra income that we're not even going to know what to do with. Yeah. And child support will go up automatically this year when Big J turns 13. Why? Because they say that raising a child between 13 and 18 um, is more expensive. So the child support will go up automatically on his 13th birthday. I don't know if I believe that. (laughs) I don't believe that either. You know, I've looked it up a few times and they say the average cost of raising a child here in Australia is $8,000 a year. I'm going to look up what it is here. So it's about $8,000. And I feel like, you know, $4,000 per per kid, per parent, less the amount of days they have them would be a fair amount of child support. But no matter which way you look at it, it's never fair. Like here I am saying that child support that I receive is unfair it doesn't help and then I'm saying that the child support that my husband has to pay is unfair because it leaves us financially burdened and it's right right that's insane this says it's $17,000 a year but I don't know if that's true either I don't know if I believe that $17,000 to raise a child in America wow I feel like that's from um the Washington Post so like maybe in like a big city that would be true but not for most of us when when I read that it was 8,000 and it was like bare minimum without extra expenses like you know designer clothes name brand clothes all that like the bare minimum to give the kids the basics that they need is eight thousand dollars a year that's crazy i mean that i believe because kids are expensive yeah do you just want to jump into the questions yeah let's jump into the questions so i didn't post on my account but you did so what question what answers did you get okay yes yeah. so uh, i i just mixed them all together so some are from my account and some are from the rhk account but the first one is are depositions normal before a trial what kinds of questions are asked background high conflict situation with x he wants more to time she wants more money this is also stressful that's exactly my situation that i was just talking about so i totally understand that as far as depositions being normal before child custody or support hearing i don't know we didn't do one so i don't know if they're normal or not i'm just googling it because i don't think we did one and i'm just wondering if it's just a term used in america (laughs) for something else here oh maybe it's basically like a testimony before you get to court so like oh so here it's called a pre-trial oral examination and no we don't do that okay <laughs> yeah I don't I don't think it's normal it's probably possible like for example if a step parent like would really help the case or whatever and they weren't able to be at the trial maybe they would do it I don't know that it's normal though no. I don't know anyone who's done it when we went to court basically we had a solicitor so he spoke for us but because it was done over the phone I was allowed to be there I could communicate openly with the solicitor and with my husband whereas if we were at court I would have to keep my mouth shut the only time I got to speak on anything was when we saw the family report writer which I said was like a social worker it's a thing that the court's rule needs to be done here just to help the judge determine where the best situation and the best outcome for the kids right I just didn't have to do anything like that yeah um so I did have to like go like be called to the stand like sworn in as a witness and everything I did have to do that 
yeah. which I wasn't expecting to. And that's kind of one of the notes that I wanted to talk about. And it kind of works with this question. So my testimony was used for the case, but it wasn't in a des- deposition. Gosh, I don't know why I'm struggling with that word so much. It wasn't in a deposition format, but you can be called to the stand. Your lawyer can, like, they'll swear everyone in the courtroom in, in the beginning, at least they did for us. And they can call anyone up as a witness. So if you go, be prepared for that. Wow. Yeah, we didn't get to trial. We just had hearings. So there, we didn't get to anything like that. It was just the family report writer where, you know, they interviewed both parents, both step-parents, the kids. And, you know, I think the family report wrote, writer wrote something in there about my point of views on the situation so that the judge could read it. Um, legally, I'm not allowed to talk about what I said. Right. On <laughs> so, yeah, but, um, the family report writer did write my opinion in the family report that was given to the judge. I do wish they would do something like that here because I feel like step parents on like both sides, moms and dads would have like something valuable to input to that. Absolutely. And like when you like here in Australia, when you go to mediation though, like step parents don't get a voice. And I went toe to toe with Karen 2.0 prior to going to mediation because she was sending me these abusive messages and emails saying that she was going to be present in mediation and I can't stop her and all the rest. And I just turned around and I said, if you want your opinion heard, you need to discuss that with my ex. Yeah. You are not allowed to attend mediation, you know, and you dictating to me how I raise my son is not on and you dictating how my ex and I handle our co-parenting situation is not on. She still dictates because, you know, things are tense and whatever. But, you know, she was sending me messages like, you know, I'll be there and step parents are welcome. And it's just no, because it's literally uh, you're working out the custody for a child and only the biological parents are allowed to attend that. Right. Except in the case where someone wants like a support person, but even then that person has to be silent. So I do have a friend going to mediation and their, their Karen has asked for her solicitor to be present as a support person so my friend is going as her husband's support person but they're doing it into they're doing a shuttle mediation so they're in two separate rooms and the mediator has to walk between the two oh my gosh. um that poor mediator yeah it it gets more complicated when that happens um mm-hmm. but yeah so that's really the only time that a step parent can be involved in mediation is if the bio parents are wanting support people but they right. so you you said that everyone goes through like the same like company or whatever for that so is that like a government thing or is it still like a private thing it's a private thing so it's a company called relationships australia and i think it's a not-for-profit organization and okay. there are actual private mediators that you can pay for but this one is generally free um especially if you earn under i think fifty thousand dollars a year it's free and if you earn more than fifty thousand dollars a year i think it's like 60 bucks okay so it's it keeps the cost down so you can engage a private mediator which is more expensive but this company is generally free or relatively cheap to use okay yeah that makes sense i was just wondering if um like the not having someone there was a like government rule or if it was just like that company i think it's most 
mediate like most companies, unless of course it is a support person, because it's like the same when we went to court, I could be there. If we were in court, I wouldn't have been able to talk to the solicitor or Mm -hmm. my husband while the process was happening. The fact that we were on the phone and we were being muted, it meant that I was able to speak. Otherwise, deaf parents can be seen, but not heard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I definitely get that. Um, I've never been to mediation, so I don't know for sure, but we did look into it and um, I, it was like the same, like I wouldn't have been allowed to go into the room. I don't think at all. I think it was like, oh, if you come, you have to like sit in a separate room or whatever, which is like pointless to even go. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what happens here. Unless of course, if one parent is asking for a support person, then the other parent is entitled to a support person. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. So the next question, which I guess is the one we were on and that just blanked, um, is can you go to mediation instead of court? I didn't read that one, did I? No, you didn't read that one. We just started. No, we just got there. I was like, thought I was losing my mind. I was like, did we just get there by ourselves? We did. Okay. Um, yeah. So is can you go to mediation instead of court or is mediation to prepare for court? Well, like I said, can go instead. Yes. Well, like I've said before, in Australia, you have to attend mediation first. That's a requirement of the family law act. But and I've gone to mediation three times and successfully mediated the the parenting plan without having to go to court. And in Australia, even if you get a parenting plan through mediation, you can still apply to have it turned into consent orders if you want to be able to breach the other parent when they don't follow it, which trust me, I think of all the time and I just cringe and beat myself up as to why I haven't done that already because there's so many times where the parenting plan isn't followed. It's frustrating. I bet. Um, Even in the US, you can do it instead of court, but if both parents aren't looking for the same thing or even like close to the same thing, it's not helpful. Yeah. So it's kind of a waste of money. Like in in our position when we wanted more time, she wanted more money, we were never going to come to an agreement without a third party so it's just it's just ridiculous you could have bribed her with i'll pay you more money if you give me more custody but then yeah. you're still out. yeah I mean, we're already paying her too much like it's ridiculous and then she's like oh like we pay her over a thousand dollars a month and then she's like oh that's pennies to raise a kid like there's not pennies like that is not pennies. are you kidding right. come come from a person who gets less than 200 dollars a month to raise yeah. a child that i have almost almost 100 percent care of like he sees his dad every second weekend and on school holidays, he goes to his grandparents, you know, and I get less than $200 a month. Yeah. So let me tell your Karen about who's going to raise a child. Right. <laughs> okay. And our last question that we got is how complicated is it to go back to mediation? Is it best to go back with a high conflict bio mom? I guess it depends where you are. So yeah. in, in Australia, it's not complicated. If So the steps that I have to take here in Queensland where I am in Australia, you have to attend a group session where they basically, and you have to do it no matter how many times you go back to mediation, where they explain what the mediation process is and staying child focused and blah, 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 blah. And there'll be a bunch of other parents in the room that are also going through the mediation process. And, but you have to do that. And I've had to do it three times now. It's exhausting. I think I fell asleep. I was pregnant when I did mediation one time and I fell asleep during that session because like you watch videos and you go through slides and stuff. 
stuff. And I just sat there and I fell asleep because <laughs> I was so pregnant. Oh, tired. Well, um, yeah, you've been there enough too. Like <laughs> Exactly. And we were at that point, we were just going back because we wanted to update the parenting plan. It wasn't that we were disagreeing on anything. We just wanted to update it because Big K was going to school. So it's a three-step process. You do the group session, then you do a one-on-one session with your, they don't call them mediators anymore. They call them conflict resolution, conflict dispute resolution workers or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I still refer to her as mediator because that's just a mouthful. So I had my mm. first session with the mediator. And then after I have that appointment, then they contact the other party who will then accept or decline the invitation to attend mediation. If they accept, then they have to do the first two sessions before you get your joint session. And if the child is, and I think I've said this on one of our other episodes, if the child's over five, they have to have an appointment with the mediator as well, where they get to discuss their wants, their needs, what they like, what they dislike, and have they get to have a say. But if you have to attend in Australia, if you have to attend mediation a second time within a 12-month period, you don't have to do all those extra appointments. You just go straight back to mediation if the other parent agrees. If they decline, then they automatically issue you with a 60I certificate. Which is, what is that? that? That's the certificate that you need to be able to attend family law court here in Australia. Oh, okay. I gotcha. If you attend mediation and it's successful, but there's like a breakdown in communication and people aren't following the parenting plan and you try to go back to mediation within that year and the person declines to go back, then you automatically get that certificate without having to do the other appointments again, which is kind of good in a way. Okay. So only one parent has to try to do mediation before court. Yeah. And does that make the other parent look bad in court if they decline? Yeah. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So it's the Australian courts see it better if both parents try to negotiate in mediation. If you fail to negotiate or you refuse to attend, it looks worse on that parent that refuses to attend. I could definitely see that. I don't know if like you have to do the whole group thing here, but other than that, it works the same. I know that in, you can go back, I'm assuming as many times as you can afford. Um, Cause as far as I know, we don't have a free one, but I might be wrong. Um, yeah. But like you would just like submit your stuff, meet with the mediator, and then they would contact the other person and then they could come or not come. And then you would go to court if they don't. Yeah. So by the sounds of it, it's pretty much a similar situation in America. Yeah. She also asked if it's best to go back with high conflict bio mom. Depending on what she's high conflict about, I don't even know that I would bother with mediation if you don't think you could come to an agreement. Yeah, absolutely not. Unless, of course, you're here in Australia and you have to do it. If you're wanting to make changes that you don't think she's going to agree on, then you're probably going to end up in court anyway. I've got friends at the moment and they recently connected with his son after their Karen had withheld custody for years and they were having overnights and weekends until there was there was a breakdown in their co-parenting relationship because the stepmom called herself a stepmom and and now she's withholding custody again so I've been helping them go through mediation trying to because the last time that the dad tried to go to mediation she withheld custody he wasn't in a financial position to go to court so it just it was a waste of time so I've been trying to help him prepare and I 
wrote out like his non-negotiables, what he's not willing to negotiate on, which is like having access to his son on Father's Day and making sure that his son's available to attend his half-brother's birthday and those sorts of things. And then I helped him come up with like different things he would be willing to negotiate about the custody schedule, like how that would look and things like that. So even if you are going to mediation or court, and this is probably something just in general for anyone is be prepared have a list of your non-negotiables what you're willing and what you're willing to negotiate on you know non-negotiables shouldn't be silly things like oh we want 50 50 custody or we want 100 custody it's things like having access to the child on the child's birthday whatever that would look like or christmas or easter like any holiday that your family celebrates they're the they're the non-negotiables that you need to work out but you still need to be able to negotiate you can't expect I want them for every holiday. It's going to be like right. be a split day. Is it going to be year about? What is that going to look like? Right. Yeah, that's a really good um, suggestion. Whenever you're going into any sort of court thing, you have to be prepared, especially if you're representing yourself, which I don't know how that goes, but at least the lawyer like knows what to make sure you have prepared. Um, And they go through, like they went through our texts and everything, like finding like, like their evidence, text messages and stuff. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, they know exactly what to we, get. We had to go through and highlight all of our text messages, all of our emails, submit them all to our solicitor and have, and they went through and picked out what they wanted to use as evidence. And same with the documents, with the photos, we had to list them and mark them as like, what it was for example earwax pouring out of the kids ears um like holes in their underwear like different things like being sent to school in ratty clothes and you know all that stuff we had to take photos and we had to document it and give it to the solicitor and the solicitor picked out what they wanted to use and when they wanted to use it yeah yeah we we document we still document absolutely everything just in case (laughs) yeah we still document everything we've got a diary which is dedicated to we've got one for the two older boys and then we have one for big k and it's basically there are documenting diaries of what's happening on transition day what state the kids are in you know their mental health their moods everything we just document absolutely everything especially um lil j because his behavior becomes erratic when he has to transition back to his mum. And I don't know if that is like part of his behavioral conditions or if it's generally because, and when I say this, I know he loves his mum, but I don't understand why his behavior gets worse when he goes back to his mum's. Yeah, that's interesting. And like, if you look at his school behavior record, the days that he goes to his mum's and the days that he's with his mum are the days that he's misbehaving at school. But when he comes to us and when he's with us, he doesn't. And I don't know if it's just because we're more organized, we're more structured, you know, we're a more disciplined household. And that could be why, at least that's what the his therapist has told us, that the fact that we have more rules and a very structured routine could make it easier for him. I would think so, yeah. But yeah, like we document all of that still just in case, you know, you never know. Karen might decide one day she's going to take us back to court, especially after, you know, was it, we've got one more year and we moved to 50-50 custody. So she might change her mind and go, I don't want that. Let's go back to court. Do you think she will? I don't think so because she's started a new job. So she's very focused on 
her job right now and less focused on the kids. So I think she'll just let it be. So I hope so. And we're currently in a good co-parenting phase of our lives. So hopefully things stay the way they are because yeah, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, seriously. Okay, so that is all we have to talk about as far as child support and court cases. If there's anything else you want to know, feel free to DM us or email us or jump on the comments and let us know what you think. And don't forget to like our Instagram, follow us, subscribe to us on Apple or wherever else you like to get your podcasts. And And leave us a review. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.